Welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast. I am super excited that Elliot has rejoined the podcast. Elliot, it's been like two years, I think. Man, time flies, Joe. Time is just on a plane and it doesn't stop. And yeah. Is that a low-key reference? It, man. Uh, low-key, maybe a little bit of, you know, Christopher Nolan crashing planes and <laughs> Tenet. You know, planes are on the mind this morning. You don't have to understand Tenet. Just yeah. it is. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's just a feeling. My gosh. Well, what's been going on with you? You're always keeping busy, uh, always watching something. Yeah, man. It's uh it's that time of the year, Joe. As critics, we get uh we get nervous and excited because we get all the mails, you know, yeah. the for your considerations in the in the mail coming now. Um, I have not one but two double features coming up this coming week on Tuesdays, two movies, uh Napoleon and uh uh the new songbird Hunger Games, and the next day is like Thanksgiving and another A24. So as movie fans, you know, we yep. get excited for this, but at the same time, we're like looking at the calendar, like, how will I be able to, you know, low-key reference, duplicate myself, time slip <laughs> myself to get to all these screenings. So, yeah, that's what's going on over here, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. This is a very busy week for screenings. Um, yes. All stuff that I'm looking forward to, which is same, exciting. Same. But, yeah. You know, as you said, when we get down to uh, this this season and we're starting to get all the screeners, I'm, last night I literally spent time making a list of what I've missed so far and yeah, what I need to catch up on. Mm -hmm. And it's so overwhelming. I'm like, where is the time to do yeah. this? Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, well, hey, I'm excited that you're here. We yeah. do, uh, you know, with the strike being over, which we'll chat about a little bit, we are starting to get uh, a better idea of what 2024 will look like. And the first thing that we kind of got the morning after was that not only are we getting Deadpool 3 still in the summer of mm -hmm. 2024 to kick that off, I think they said it was something like 50% done already. Right, right. Uh, we're, we saw the preview for Inside Out 2. It's the teaser mm. trailer introducing uh, anxiety as the emotion, um, one of the new ones. Uh, but it, this ended up being Disney's a Disney animation, or I guess an animated movie for Disney, the yeah. best performing trailer in history for Disney, which yeah. is wild to me. It is. Yeah. Um, I mean, shout out to Inside Out. I... I, I don't want to say love hate, but I I don't love the film as much as a lot of people do. Like I know a lot of people helm that as like their favorite Pixar film, yeah. which I could definitely understand. Like to me, it's like Coco, Incredibles, Toy Stories, but it's it's definitely in that conversation that I can understand where it comes from. But um, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to a sequel, especially. I mean, obviously, we know Pixar when they do sequels, it takes sometimes decades for yeah. them to come back out. And I mean, the beauty of this though is if you did see the film when it initially came out, and now it's you know however many years later. You've grown up with it. Um, so it kind of plays into that audience and just like, oh, yeah, I remember that when I was, you know, whatever age that was. Uh, so, I mean, the, the numbers are crazy. That is a crazy astronomical number that it hit. So obviously people were looking forward to it. I'm, I'm one of the in, in the minority when it comes to this excitement level. But uh, I am disappointed that some of the cast isn't coming back. Like well, Bill Hader and uh, uh, Mindy, Mindy isn't coming back. Yeah, but. I'm 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 gonna check it out because I am a Pixar. I much more prefer Pixar than some some of the more recent Disney animated stuff. Yeah. Um. So we'll see, man. I like the trailer. I like the little tease that we got that we're gonna get more emotions, which makes perfect sense with the Riley character. So I'm I'm looking forward to see what it comes to be, and I wonder if that um the trailer numbers translates to a big huge box office success because pixar really hasn't had a huge winner in in quite a few years obviously with the pandemic things going straight to disney plus and then when people when we were allowed to go back in theaters people were like oh, i like the disney plus strategy yeah. so we're gonna watch it at home versus the theater so i wonder if inside out is going to be that film that's going to actually bring people back to seeing these uh you know films that take years to make uh with pixar <laughs> 
I think that's right. I mean, it's funny with Toy Story, we kind of have a natural progression with the sequels because as the kids grow up, you right. know, their relationship with toys changes. With mm-hmm. Inside Out, I think it makes complete and total sense. She's a teenager now, new emotions pop in. So that, that you know, there's a natural exploration there. Yeah. This is tracking with Iger's focus on mining the IP that already has been successful. Right. So he right. greenlit this as well as, I want to say it was a Frozen 3 coming down the line. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's big on, hey, we're having some box IP. office bombs yeah. here. Let's just work with what has worked for us, right? Uh, and, and go back to the go back to that, which Disney has done successfully over the years. True. I, I will say I really enjoyed this teaser. I yeah. am someone who loves Inside Out. It's up there. Coco is my number one, so I'm glad to hear oh, you say that Coco. too. Yeah, love Coco, but uh, I'm excited for this because I mm-hmm. think that it's it's a mature. The first one is a mature exploration of emotion, uh, in my opinion, and that's what I love about Pixar is they tackle some really serious topics but do so in a very accessible format through animation and a witty story yeah Uh, and i'm hoping that they they can capitalize on that too here um do you think bing bong will be back (laughs) Um, remember bing bong (laughs) yeah i definitely do uh because when i first i'm like ah that's that's one of the it's always one side character that always just like why did i mean i know why they put them you know toys and all that stuff but i believe they'll be back but the question is joe with pixar is riley one of her parents going to be unfortunately not making it to the end of the film is that going to be one of the big emotional moments (laughs) or oh man dad gets hit in the the car crash at the the first five (laughs) minutes of the film very very well could be uh that definitely could happen uh that's a you know proven disney tactic to trauma emotional investment (laughs) yeah yeah he'll kill one of the parents and that'll get him going the question is if it happens will it happen within the first five minutes because that's probably disney loves to do (laughs) yeah i mean that that's going to ignite the emotions right now she has to deal with not only being a teenager but losing one of her parents so yeah my gosh a24 route so uh, speaking of emotions, what uh, emotions did you feel watching the teaser for Ghostbusters Frozen Empire? Because to be honest, Elliot, I, don't, I saw a tweet about this weeks ago. I don't mm-hmm. know who's who they're making these for anymore because Ghostbusters yeah. has just run its course with me. <laughs> yeah, I so I never grew up with the IP, very familiar with it. Obviously, I would I actually had toys and stuff before I even saw the movies of Ghostbusters. I eventually did, but I never really gravitated towards them. And it wasn't until leading up to the most recent one that I revisited the previous ones and, and kind of gained another level of appreciation uh, for the franchise. So I was one of the people that, and I did it like as I was gearing up to it. So I actually liked the newer one just because I was just in that mood. I haven't revisited yeah. it since. So I don't know if it, if it holds up, but I love Paul Rudd. I am a Carrie Coon fanatic. Like I think she is so underrated. She picks her projects very carefully. So I always love whatever she's in. And also I feel so old because I remember seeing her when she was a kid, like super little. Uh, McKinney, M- McKinney Grace is that her name? Uh, oh, who was yeah. the lead in the last one? Yeah. Um, she is just such an excellent, like, young actress who's like going down that Natalie Portman route where we saw her as a little kid. And mm-hmm. I think she's going to be an Oscar winning actress if she continues to act, you know, well into her 20s and 30s. But Finn Wolfhart, man, uh, he's okay to me. I love him in Stranger Things, but he's just kind of like grown. He's just like one of those actors that I think he knows he's in an actor and he kind of played i don't know finn wolfhard is kind of hit or miss for me but yeah i agree with that the teaser was okay um they're bringing back the old crew which like you just mentioned who is the target audience are they still going for the older 80s people that grew up with it are they is it really for kids or teenagers do they care about ghostbusters um because i know the last one came out during the pandemic so the numbers were kind of skewed but 
Yeah, I'm very, and then it, it seems very horror driven this time around, which I mean makes sense because you know, and the and the ghost and, and all that stuff. But I, we'll see. I thought it was a nice way to, you know, the trailer, the, the musical soundtrack, summertime, all this stuff. But we'll we'll see. I, I'm very curious to see, like you said, who is this really for? Who's going to be really going to running out to see this in, in March next year with a stacked month that we know March is going to be for sure. It seems like there's a lot of nods to New York City playing a role again uh, yeah. as really a character in the first two movies, at least. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. Then they, you know, they moved out of that for uh, I almost said after after birth. It's not called after birth. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So I, the one thing I'll say about this is it's definitely a teaser trailer. The graphics, like when the the frozen stuff is popping mm -hmm. up, looked terrible to me. Um, but I'm sure they'll fix that for the movie. They have some time there, but yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of, you know, nods to the nostalgia of the originals, even with, it was, it looked like a lion type creature near the end that they showed, mm. which harkens back to the first one. I just, yeah. again, I don't know who this is made for it. I'll see it. I'll definitely yeah. see it because it's Same. Ghostbusters, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't and know. like I said, if I'm not mistaken, obviously Dune's come out of March and also, um, there's a couple other big. I, I think the the new Robert Pattinson film with Bon Han Joe was coming mm. out, Mickey Seventeen or something. So it's it's gonna be a right big month for March. Um, and I, I think Godzilla might have been pushed to March too. The sequel to Godzilla. I feel like Kong. it got pushed. To, I want to say April, May or something. May or, okay. When they moved Dune in, I think Godzilla got pushed. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. But still, I mean, Dune and a, yeah. and a new Robert Pattinson, I think, gets people more excited than Ghostbusters. So we'll see if it finds his audience in in March. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. We might have another. You know, big IP, which I don't think they spend a ton of money on these. So it's not one of those like yeah. Marvel situations where you spend two hundred million dollars on a film that probably won't make its budget back. But we'll see. We'll see. I love Paul Rudd. So. Yeah, and he has a really funny line at the end of this uh, trailer. They, they yeah, kind of yeah. tap it all or cap it off with him, and uh, I was like, "All right, you got me there. I'll go yeah. see him." Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned that big budget Marvel film. Let's dive into it. The Marvels came out after numerous delays this past weekend. Um, as of recording today, it looks like it's tracking to around forty-seven million, uh, and it's very divisive online. Once the original or the reviews uh, dropped at yeah. the embargo last week, it was wild because it hit. Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't the end-all, be-all of things, mm -hmm. but it hit Rotten Tomatoes around like 53, 57%. Yeah. Um, but when you read the reviews, it was either, this was so much fun, this is what Marvel needs to be, Marvel is back, <laughs> or it was, Marvel is circling the drain, this is the death nail for Marvel, this is horrendous, this is stupid, this is Taika Waititi and Love and Thunder. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's just, it's so crazy because marvel is a divisive subject like people mm -hmm. have gotten crazy with it and the internet even before the movie was out to the masses oh, was man. you know writing the obituary for the marvels uh, but you and i both i think agreed on this if i remember reading uh or seeing your thoughts correctly um that we it was fun it was a fun movie it was i think nia da costa directed the shit out of this movie um and there's a, a discourse online about you know hiring these uh Alter directors, if you will, like mm -hmm. such as Chloe Zhao and Nia Costa there, and why yeah. that's not a good idea. But I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you think about the Marvels? What were your, what were your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, that's the numbers I'm looking at now. Yeah, 47 million domestically, which obviously is the lowest the Marvels ever open to, and then 110 worldwide, which is not even. Uh, I believe the first one opened to 450 something worldwide. So definitely diminishing returns there. I, Joe, it's it's a conversation. I think that. A lot of us haven't really do digged into the nuance that it feels like the movie going audience, even some of our fellow critics have kind of lost 
the nuance of like sometimes a movie can just be okay and it's yeah. not like it has to be the greatest thing and it doesn't have to be the worst thing so i feel like we we're playing in this realm where it's just like we, we either praise things or we destroy things we can't just like and, and this isn't making an excuse for film I, there is some issues with the movies some of the pacing issues character development one of the worst villains probably in recent memory. So it has issues, but there is an area in films that you can just enjoy the things that you had fun with. And it doesn't make you a shill. It doesn't make you a sexist if you, you know, don't like certain things. So it's just like a, we live in this age now, which is like people like to over dramatize things and not just appreciate just a movie being okay. Right. Uh, and I thought this film was okay. Uh, I really love the trio of women that we have here. I am such a Brie Larson fan and I was glad that Nia, as well as the other two co-leads, were able to allow Brie to have fun and have personality, which I know she has, which she was very kind of wooden in the first one. So Absolutely. I love that Captain Marvel had a little bit more depth to her character. Amon Vellani is us. Like, she's the fans in the movie. She's the, you know, kind of playing in that Tom Holland realm where it's someone that's amongst these, you know, bigger-than-life characters and just having a good time. And the family element that she brought from her show was so much fun. I'm a big Tiana Paris fan. Mm -hmm. I thought she didn't get as much to do uh, than the other two, but also she was more responsible for the emotional weight with her and Carol and obviously the stuff with her mom. Uh, that post-credit scenes opens up a lot of conversation for her character moving forward. So there are a lot of fun things to be had. I love the power switching, how that aesthetically looked. Um, I thought that the graphics for the power switching were crisp. Yeah. We're really good. I oh, totally agree, man. Um, you know, Nick Fury, I'm a huge Sam Jackson fan. I, I do feel like Nick Fury has become more of Sam Jackson than, than the true. Nick Fury that we've come to maybe appreciate. Uh, because if you watch Secret Invasion, that version of Nick Fury and what we got in this film are like completely different. You Absolutely. can tell this is, again, one of those conversations that Marvel isn't as focused as they used to be because the fact that no spoilers for secret invasion, but he almost started a war and lost some important people to him to seeing him next time cracking jokes and just, you know, as, as nothing happened on earth that he just created. So there is some disconnect there, but overall, man, like I said, this is just a fun space uh, adventure with three kick-ass characters yeah. uh, with some really cool visuals, some fun moments, not so fun moments, but it's okay just to have an okay film sometimes and not expect in-game levels every time you see a Marvel film. Look, I had a smile on my face probably 75% of the movie. I was laughing. Mm -hmm. I was having a great time, and I went in with very low expectations based on mm -hmm. the discourse uh, and left saying that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It was a you know, it doesn't hold the gravitas as a lot of the other Marvel movies, which sure. is okay. Mm -hmm. It does have a, you know, a large impact uh, in the post-credit scene. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, definitely stuff that is coming down the future and what we've all been waiting for. We're getting a little bit more than a tease. We're seeing that play out. Um, but, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, Amon Vellani playing the Tom Holland type. And do you remember years ago there were rumors about Marvel wanting to find a way to break Brie Larson's Captain Marvel out of the shell that they had created in the first one and mm -hmm. give her some more, you know, ability to have fun. And they yeah. were talking about putting Spider-Man in there, like a young Spider-Man or something. That was I a know, rumor. That, that, would make, that would make sense because and, I think and she did that character. Yeah. Amon yeah. Vellani totally did that. I mean, she, mm -hmm. it was great to see because I love Brie Larson as well. And I had yeah. so much fun with her in this. The, mm -hmm. the trio itself was just delightful. Yes. Um, Zawe Ashton deserved much better with the the villain, and it it's like a to me it's like a phase one Marvel villain issue. It's, it's a placeholder. Just stand there, yeah. just say some lines, look yeah. menacing, but really don't have anything to add. Yeah, you're just here for the one film. We'll see you later. Thanks. Take yeah, your paycheck at the door. <laughs> 
Exactly. Um, hope you enjoyed catering. But it, you know, <laughs> she and she's married to Tom Hiddleston, which I, yeah. I didn't realize until last week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I did enjoy. So the way I view this film after walking out of the theater is that this is really a proper sequel to Captain Marvel. Um, mm. They tie up some of the loose ends and some of the character uh, development pieces that we didn't quite get to with Captain Marvel. Right. And right. some of the whole, you know, why did she behave the way she did? Uh, after you know, she wasn't around until Endgame, and then after Endgame, like, where yeah. was she? What was she doing? And you get into some of that when her and Tayana Paris's character are discussing why she didn't come see her after she flipped back and things yeah. like that. They, yeah. You know, it's little buttons here, but I appreciated mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And so, two things I'll say one is this is a sequel, it, it is a sequel, and sequels never mm-hmm. do as well as the first, but it also didn't have the Endgame connection that the first Captain Marvel had. Right. The first Captain Marvel was teased as like, you know, it was it was the big connection to what's going to happen in the final film mm-hmm. uh, of the uh, the Infinity Saga. Yeah. And so you didn't you know, that was a driving force, I think, behind a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so that's to me, that's kind of part of the reason why this isn't getting as much oomph as well as just Marvel fatigue, as we've all talked about and thrown around. 100%. I will say I do. So I was kind of railing on some people with the sexist angle uh, mm-hmm. early on. Before people saw the movie, yeah, I you know afterwards go at have your, sure, your thoughts sure. on it, whatever. But mm-hmm. before it, it was just so ridiculous. There was a, a tweet when the final trailer came out on uh, Monday, mm-hmm. um, and it showed Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, and yes. there was this tweet that was like, "Oh, they threw uh, another another woman in there, and she's gay mm-hmm. too." Well, well, and I'm mm-hmm. like, "This is that is case in point. Yeah. What the issue is with fanboys going into this movie." Uh, and a lot of the discourse is just renewed from Captain Marvel. A lot of people were having that issue with Captain Marvel as well. Yeah, I just wish yep. that Marvel didn't wait until they were struggling to find their footing moving forward to, to diversify. Yeah, as much as they have, because the stories yeah. that they're telling, there's good in there. Hundred percent, man. You know, I wonder. I would love to see that what the script looked like and what the original cut of this film looked like mm-hmm. when Nia first got her hands on it and first finished it versus if Marvel went in and like tweaked anything to try to make sure that it was more palatable, so to speak, to the mm-hmm. masses. Yeah. Um, and was less of like, you know, a swing like uh like Eternals was, right? Right. Um right. I think they're starving for a hit and they want to give uh give fans, you know, some of that, some of what they're looking for. And I think we mm-hmm. got that with spoiler alert here. So if you haven't seen it, switch off for the next couple minutes. The post-credit scene when Kelsey yes. Grammer's Beast returns. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was binary, by the way, at first. I was so thrown off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she says it quickly. Uh, uh, it happens so much. I mean, when you have these post-credit scenes, you're looking at so many things. You might, you know, you miss some dialogue. You miss some little stuff, details. But, yeah, I was very much, unfortunately, the way the internet works, this is this was kind of hinted at and spoiled like almost a month and a half ago, uh, as well as that little stinger at the very end of the film uh, was mentioned over a year ago. Uh, so <clears throat> what was the stinger at the end of the film? The the uh the Kate Bishop kind of oh, um, yes, yes, yes. recruitment of the young Avengers that was initially I I heard about that like I said almost a year and a half ago uh and also they had mentioned that there were going to be like X Men ties to it so the way the internet works you kind of I was still excited because I'm not one of those like when I hear a spoiler it doesn't ruin the experience like I still need to see it to get the context of it but it was still in French like oh I kind of know what to expect but it was so cool to kind of see uh obviously we got X Men hinting at with Miss Marvels and we got we actually saw X-Men and Multiverse of Madness. So they've been planting the seeds 
But now it seems like we're fully on. We have an actual character that's interacting with X-Men, and we'll obviously get more of that in Deadpool 3. Um, but I'm still, I still don't know when they're going to actually go ahead and just fully go ahead and say, hey, here are the X-Men, because it doesn't seem like they're going to do that till after Secret Wars. So it was cool to kind of see Beast, and he mentions Professor X and all that stuff, which to me answers the question, this is a brand new universe. This isn't the X-Men that we were met in 838 with Multiverse of Madness. This isn't probably our X-Men from the Fox universe because we know that their Charles died and, and there was no binary and stuff. So this seems to be a whole new universe that we've haven't explored. And again, the conversation around Marvel is okay. That's a cool post credit scene or mid credit scene, but when will we see these characters or this yeah. plot be introduced again? Cause we still haven't seen Sung Shi. There's still a big celestial in the middle of the sea in Eternals. Uh, there's so many like loose threads right now in the MCU, very a la Loki with the, the time branches all over the place. I'm just wondering when are all these things going to come together? But it was exciting to see nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still waiting for the Shang-Chi uh, post-credit scene to play out. The you, you know the messages the yeah the you would have thought that this would have been the film to maybe address mm -hmm. that with Captain Marvel being there with another artifact like the Ten Rings with matching with the this uh, quantum band so yeah. uh, you would have thought that would have been a perfect tee off to kind of have him be back in the mix but no he's you know I know that Simulu apparently uh, tore his Achilles a couple weeks ago so he's in, oh, in rehab no. right now so just add on the another thing to the list of Marvel just having the worst luck. <laughs> he had made a comment, I think, a couple months ago saying yeah. that we'd be seeing him sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering how that's going to play out. Maybe a Deadpool with thing or Deadpool. Yeah. I, I just see that with the X-Men, Elliot. I'm like, I don't get me wrong. I love seeing mm -hmm. Kelsey Grammer. I was like, oh, man, like throwing it back to my childhood here. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder, you know, are we going to just play with the X-Men that have already been established in various forms mm -hmm. for a little while? And then mm -hmm. after Secret Wars, see the proper X-Men introduced yeah. into the MCU. And when I say yep. proper, what I really mean is, you know, like the new X-Men, the X-Men right. of the MCU, not yep. just picking and choosing or pulling from what has come before. And that's sort of just, I mean, another question that's out there. I just, I'm wondering what the end game is here and how it's going to be, no pun intended, how it's going to be tied into, you know, even Fantastic Four and, you know, we're likely to get casting for that soon because the rumor has yeah. been for a while that that's been locked uh, locked in, but the, yeah. the strike kept them from announcing. Yeah. So once again, while I had fun with the Marvels, yeah. I'm left with so many questions. So many Where questions. are we going? I mean, even just from the film perspective, when can we expect to see Captain Marvel again, Miss yeah. Marvel? Uh, you know, so the, yeah, it, it's just so many questions around that. But I'm 100% with you on. I think that they're going to ride the wave of Hugh Jackman's uh, um, Patrick Stewart, Kelsey Grammer, Holly Berry. We're going to see a lot of those familiar faces that we've uh, come to known from the X-Men. But then once Secret Wars happens, which I think will be kind of the, as a lot of people allude to, the soft reboot of the MCU, that's when I think we're going to get hints and ties of who our next Wolverine, Professor X, will be moving forward. But that's, at this point, with the strikes and movie delays, yeah. man, we're looking at 2023. 8 2020 not six oh, years man. from now before we even get secret wars with all the oh man listen if i wild. pass away before uh the x-men get introduced i'm gonna have an issue um <laughs> i just uh, yeah i'm with you i it's uh, i'm wondering if it's even as simple like in my head i was like how can they do this how can they like finally focus on the new x-men that they're going to introduce and i think it's as simple as like hey there's these x-men in the other universes what about mm -hmm. our universe oh <gasps> there it is <laughs> yeah uh, and I've always liked the theory from WandaVision that Tiana Paris's character drove, which was 
you know, something related to the people that were blipped having a molecular difference. Yeah. And then, you know, that being what kind of launches the X-Men. So I would love if they played with that because I thought yeah. that was such a, that was an interesting way to introduce these characters that mm -hmm. have been sidelined for 30 some films. Yeah. Um, but then to dive in and bring them into the universe, I would love that, that exploration, but it seems like they just yeah. keep going the off on their tangents. The <laughs> thing with that is that you do have that, you would unfortunately lose some of that uh, already established relationship between Charles and Magneto because they was obviously that if they stick to the comics, I mean, they date back to their relationship based back to, you know, civil rights movements, things of that nature in the sixties yeah, and seventies. Sure. So that you would probably lose some of that unless you bring in, of you know, bring in a Charles and Magneto from another universe while the MCU had like the beginnings of a uh, maybe they could be the, the new mutants angle could be from the MCU, like the, yeah. a new mutation is created from the MCU while the other mutants are coming from somewhere else. So I don't, I don't envy Kevin Feige to figure all this out. I mean, he has to, he's playing cleanup right now, he's playing, you know, he's putting out fire. So to have him launch a whole nother unit because honestly, and we know this show, X Men is its own phases itself. Not alone, Absolutely. just integrating them to what's already established. Like you could just have three or four X Men phases and and just focus on that. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's gonna be so much. It's gonna be yeah. Did you hear the discourse when Eternals came out and that Celestial popped up in the uh, mm -hmm. ocean that people started theorizing that that would be Krakoa, uh, which is you know in one of the most recent uh, X Men runs. No, uh, I didn't see that one. No. It's an island, you know, the island that the X Men are kind of, you know. Oh yeah, 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 and and supposedly, uh, which another film that got delayed almost a year. Captain America is supposed to explore some of that. I would love so, that. <laughs> Just give we'll me something. That. That. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. Oh man, well, you know, ultimately it looks like it's going to be a box office disappointment. But I do yeah. think uh, it it deserves a little bit better than the discourse, in my opinion. The I, I, I wonder what it would have done if we didn't have the strike because. You know, the very next day after the strike ended, you saw Monvolani. They on. had them on speed dial. Oh my god, they threw them out there right away. They were, yeah, she's already doing interviews. I saw yeah. with IGN, like in yeah. her like regular like pajamas. So like they were just at, they were biting at the bits to get them to talk about it. Yeah, so unfortunate. A friend of mine was up at the screening in New York that uh, Brie Larson popped into. That she popped up. Oh man, <laughs> it, it's it's really unfortunate. I mean, obviously. Um, you know, I'm so glad the strike is over, which we'll talk about. But yeah, it is unfortunate that a film like this, uh, Blue Beetle, uh, and a couple yeah. other films that weren't able to kind of promote their movies because they were just, you know, you could tell that this was made with fun and passion and happiness. And unfortunately, a lot of these actors weren't able to do what they do best, which is uh, not only act, but promote the films they were in. Absolutely. There's even a couple of movies that came out over the past couple of months where they were, you know, quiet hits because they weren't, mm -hmm. you know, nobody was out there promoting them yeah uh, and i feel bad for those actors because i feel like yeah. there's a lot of great performances and um they they should be getting that recognition and we're gonna see you know a speedy oscar season now like oh, they're yeah. gonna throw oh, yeah. those people out there to get them campaigning mm -hmm. um probably not brendan fraser from killers of the flower moon because that wasn't <laughs> a great performance <laughs> you saw that right yeah yeah <laughs> i struggled with that Oh man! All right. Well, the next Marvel movie we have coming out is, uh, I think, Deadpool three, right? And Deadpool, yeah. Uh, July, I July, I think. Ryan Reynolds put on the suite. Yeah, July twenty sixth, I believe, is the official release date. And the one Marvel film of next year. They shifted some stuff around uh, the other day. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Marvel's Deadpool three moves to July twenty twenty four, and they push Captain America back to February, which yeah. is 
That's that's unfortunate, man. I, I I think when you have a when you have a reshoot or a rescheduling of that nature, that's a whole new film. That's almost you know Star Wars Rogue Nation or not Rogue Nation, but uh, Rogue One territory where you're like reshooting the first half, second, and third. So I wouldn't be surprised, Joe. By the end of the year, we might hear some new writers, some maybe even yeah. a new director. That's that's a big shift for a film like that. So. Yeah, February fourteenth, twenty twenty five. Thunderbolts yep. got bumped all the way to July twenty fifth uh, of twenty twenty five. Yep, that was a movie that was rumored to be on the chopping block over the uh, the strike. So I'm glad that yeah. it continued because yeah. if, if anything else, I want to see uh, Joy Louis not Joy, yeah, Joy Louis Tracy. No, mm-hmm. yeah, Joy yeah, Louis yeah, Tracy as uh, uh, Valentina. Valentina, I want to see mm-hmm. her so bad because uh, I love that actress, mm-hmm. um, and I want to see her her play uh, play that role up. But yeah. then. You and I haven't talked about this, but we have on the mm-hmm. pot a little bit, dude. Blade is just don't even get me started. <laughs> don't even get me. I made a, and this was just like an out of the blue tweet I did a couple months ago that shook some people. That like, well, where do you get? It wasn't like a rumor. Anything. I was just like, at this point, the way I feel, we're not gonna, we're not either. Gonna, we're not gonna see the film, or we're not gonna see Mahersha Ali in the role, which mm-hmm. came to be somewhat true uh, as we found out a couple weeks ago that he was wa- he considered walking away. Uh, which is understandable. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, he's a two-time winning Oscar winner. He this film was announced four years ago. We've had three different directors now, five to six different writers. It's it's a mess, Joe. Like, how do you announce a film for you? And and again, I get the excuse pandemic couldn't see that. Uh, obviously, writer strike gets away. It's had its issues, but also Marvel has been a big issue mm-hmm. that they haven't prioritized. We need writers with because I don't understand how you hire a writer, read their pitch, agree to the pitch, and then all of a sudden when they go shooting the film, you all of a sudden this isn't what we talked about. It is baffling to me. So is that Zack Snyder? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, at this point, as the film comes out, he's gonna be um like in his 50s, which again, Hollywood, you can get the best trainers, and you I mean, he can look yeah. as you know great as he does 10 years ago, but I just think, as we know with Marvel, they like to get people in for, you know, five or six films, things of that nature. It might be a one-off for Mahershala Ali, by the way, the rate this film is being handled. Um, but I don't know. I, I want to see it, obviously. I'm a huge bait, Blade advocator, but it's just, it's a little bit, it feels disrespectful the way they're handling this whole project. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I interviewed um, Bassam Tariq, who was the original director. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, a couple couple years ago. Couple, just... <laughs> yeah, two years ago maybe at this point. Whenever Mobile Mobile yeah. came out, which I think was 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was just, you know, he was pumped. He was excited, and he was talking about all the research they're doing, and we couldn't get mm-hmm. into much of it. But they wanted to, like, I guess it, what it sounded like was bring a new fighting style to the film and mm-hmm. he was just all into it. And then to hear when he, when he left, I was like, Oh boy, something's going on here. Uh, and it's, it's a shame. It's, you know, yeah. a, a property that people have been really pumped about. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it, the original films are a lot of fun yeah, um, and really solid. And uh, I think trying to figure out how they'll introduce blade into what we know of the MCU yeah, uh, and kind of getting into more of the, you know, the horror side of things mm-hmm. you know, in a sense. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, there's a string left out there with um, what's his name in Eternals in the mid credit scene. Oh, um, yeah. Kit Harrington's character. Yeah, Black um, Knight. Dean Whitman. I think it was his name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, we hear Blade kind of calling to him in a way. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you hear his voice. Uh, yeah. Ali's voice. And oh, that's asking a lot of people to hang on for, with those connections for, at this point, what's going to be five years? Yeah. Um, it's... It, it, 
I've been waiting for the supernatural side of the MCU to, to yeah. pop up more frequently. Obviously, we know they started that with Doctor Strange, uh, Werewolf by Night. But I just think, well, number one, I think I'm glad that they announced it's going to be rated R, which should have been the first thing out of the gate. Um, but I'm glad that Marvel is starting to realize that kids are not kids anymore. Uh, Iron Man came out. 08 if a little kid was 10 they're now you know in their mid-20s so the fact that echo ma great did uh uh Dare, you know obviously deadpool is going to be rated r so I, I love that they're allowing certain ips that has that more visceral darker more adult tones to be able to fully play into those realms so that's where i think the hiccup is that some of the maybe some of the earlier scripts were a little bit less less of the violence less of the more grotesque stuff with killing vampires that was another thing like how are you gonna have a pg-13 vampire right. hunter chopping off heads cutting you know ripping out hearts like how are they gonna tackle that so i'm glad they're gonna lean into that and actually uh they have this whole what division now called spotlight where more yeah. of the grounded more gritty stuff will be handled so yeah i'm glad that marvel's realizing that not everything can be disney-fied and everything doesn't have to be always accessible to the younger audience because they're not the ones, you know, buying the tickets. It's the adults that's buying True. the kids the tickets. And it's the adults that buy the, the merchandise for the younger audiences. We need stuff for ourselves. And, I, and I'm glad that Blade looks to be that. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's uh, That's something I haven't really thought about is that the people that that the, the MCU has catered to, the fans that the MCU has catered to, are now growing up and they're going to yeah. be wanting something different. Um, I don't envy Kevin Feige and the team trying to figure out how to strike that balance. That's got to be real. I mean, we're seeing it's challenging. Um, but they're going to run into this issue down the road anyway when they were bringing in Punisher to uh, Daredevil because it's yeah. the first time that character would be under the umbrella of Disney. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that character is a very gritty character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he's not going to be shooting people with water guns. So, it's yeah, they're going to have to definitely uh you know and that's the thing too with with marvel i think they gotta remember it's it's they're they're their own ip they're their own brand at this point so they're not going to be able to touch the mass audience like they used to it's going to be certain divisions of certain appropriate content that they won't be able to reach a broader audience so they're going to have to understand that you're not going to be able to make a billion dollars off you know on a blade film because of the limitations of the ratings and the, the material so yeah they, they just didn't understand that you know you can have a blade and have a miss marvel in in the same calendar year and then have the audience just like you do with comics you go into a comic book store you don't grab all the shelf you grab things that you uh, you know age appropriate things that you gravitate towards so yeah. they need to, to realize that yeah the expectations need to be adjusted because you're 100%. you're allowed to have a building block film um that establishes some of the story or more of mm -hmm. the story and it's not going to cross the billion dollar threshold. That's okay. Yeah. That's yeah. quite all right. And yeah. I think both, uh, I mean, we saw this with DC, with the DCEU, they right out the gate got nervous about that, even though they were, yeah. they were hitting their films were like critically well received, but they were making the money. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it's just, it's frustrating all around to see how, you know, the money drives a lot of the storytelling and the decisions there, but um, at least we'll be able to get back to it, right? Because the SAG after deal was struck uh, with yes, the AMPTP yes. late Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. um, we got word that it was that it's over. Um, all uh, all across the board, it seems like a really great win for SAG after in terms yep. of um, you know some of the the healthcare changes that will be occurring there, wage increases, uh, my, um, residuals from streaming, as yep. well as uh, the protections against no some of the AI. AI. Yeah. Oh. That's, I mean, it's big. Um, the the scary part is, uh, we're it's only a three year contract. So, 
which I did read that they the reason they went so hard and were kind of like stuck their feet in the sand, uh, the actors were because they don't want to have the same conversation in three yeah. years. So they were they were thinking ahead when they were yeah. making this deal. I'm sure there's going to be still some, you know, one or two hiccups is going to come across, you know, three years from now. But from what I understand, they they prepped a lot of this and they accepted this in in lieu of not having to deal with this in three years. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it definitely is impressive. The strike lasted uh, about 120-ish days and yeah. um, just, you know, absolutely wild leadership from Fran Drescher uh, as at the head of SAG-AFTRA and yeah. uh, definitely commend all of them. It's exciting to see the actors, not only the actors, but everyone that goes into, you know, making a film uh, a reality now getting yep. back to work. And um, we don't, unfortunately, we're not seeing those sexy headlines of, you know, the the, the caterer or the you know the, makeup, the boom costume, yeah production yeah. Team, yeah all these people that are um that have been negatively affected and mm -hmm. um now hopefully they'll uh, they'll be able to get back to work and it seems like the studios are kick-starting a lot of stuff very quickly um because yeah. 2024 was looking a little rough for a while looking a little like a desert man and and to your point too and it is unfortunate we'll never see these headlines and i hope someone is able to maybe make an article or story about this but unfortunately there are people that will not be able to bounce back anytime soon. They lost their homes. They lost their, you know, financial stability. So there's a lot of people that were affected by this, that it will take a little bit to get back. I mean, there's people that moved out of Hollywood. They just couldn't afford, you know, the living out there. So it is, it's, it really shook up more than just, you know, us as fans watching movies in theaters and all that stuff, but it really impacted the economic, you know, system for a lot of people financially. So that, that is a sad part. A lot of people are going to be affected by this for quite a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah. funny because thinking about three years down the road and when we're hitting another strike, the next story that we're going to talk about, I think is going to be incorporated into those discussions. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is, so it's, you know, here's the connection coyote versus Acme, which was an animated mm -hmm. film that Warner brothers was uh, putting out there with uh john cena starring um this is yet another film that warner brothers is shelving the movie for context is done it's been test screening it's been receiving apparently very positive test scores um the you know the uh whatchamacallit the score was done um all it, it was a locked and loaded film yeah um we will never see it because they already have taken a 30 million dollar right uh, right off on it tax write-off mm. Um, this goes the way of Batgirl and uh, other projects. I'm trying to think, what was the other animated project that went? Uh, it was a Scooby Doo film. That's exactly like, what it was. Thinking, yeah, yeah. So I I imagine that this might be something that the actors will want to incorporate. I mean, they're still getting their payday, but right, um, right. You know, the it is a it is work that, and maybe the directors yeah. will probably be more of the uh, the ones that are uh, that are lobbying for some Push protections back, yeah. here. Because yeah. it's their work that's never going to be seen. Which is funny. The directors were the first ones to accept their, you know, their yeah. deal so quickly without much pushback. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it is really so there's two sides to me. There's the human side is like that is unfortunate that all those people spent that time and effort and energy. And yes, they got paid, but it's like, yeah, we we that's a great bonus to happen to get paid for doing something we love, but we want our thing, our art, our yeah, your art. You know, thing that we spent time on to be, to be seen <laughs> by people. So that's the other, that's the thing that just sucks. But then the other side of me, like the business side is like, that's unfortunate. That is part of the business sometimes. And there's a lot of movies that we don't hear about that do get halfway in production, that get fully shot and don't come out due to various different reasons, tax yeah. write-offs in this case. So it's, it seems counterproductive to me because I think the movie was 70 million. 70 million and it took a 30 million right off 
So it's just like you, you're you're gambling with losing that. You're losing money. You, you still lost money, but it's just like, why not just take the chance to put it out there? Why not sell the Like, I don't know what David Zasloff and what the thought process was. I guess it's just like, we need the money. We're bleeding. So let's just take the 30 million. And I guess whoever was trying to buy it out, whether it was Netflix or Universal, maybe they, they were only offering 10 to 15 to, to acquire it. So that just goes to show you that they're, how much they're bleeding. They're just like, yep, tax write off. We'll take the 30. Thank you, government. And let's move on. But it is, which is even more, this is add another layer to it. <laughs> James Gunn is attached to it. David or John uh, Cena is attached to it. These are two people that are currently working with Warner Brothers on a whole other realm of DC yep. projects. It's like now you're shaking the feathers with people you currently work with and, and you're just canceling the project. So it's just like the relationship building is kind of being diminished at the same time. So it, it's baffling all the way across the board to me. That's exactly where I go, Elliot, is that, you know, from a business perspective, financially on the books, I, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of all that. And so whatever yeah. you're, you're in charge, make that decision. Yeah. But the, the erosion of the trust and confidence in David Zaslav and the decisions that are being made and the relationship building with the creatives is just in the shitter. Um, we saw that after Batgirl, we saw that, you know, with the Scooby-Doo stuff. And mm -hmm. for this, the, the reason why this one is so baffling is because the movie was done. It wasn't just that it had been shot. It had yeah. been edited. It had been scored. Yep. It had been cut. It had been screened. It was receiving positives. Like, it's just, it's wild to me that they didn't think they were going to make their money back on this, I guess. Or maybe, you know, like you said, there was a, a, a need to stop the bleeding so quickly. Yeah. But I just, I, this is not going to be good for Warner Brothers down the road and also makes me concerned that the rumors out there about the sale of Warner Brothers in a few years is is really what's happening. Really, They're trying yeah. to financially position it better mm -hmm. so that they can then sell it to a Universal or a Disney or whoever it may be. It, I think you're on to something, Joe. I think that is a sign, uh, as well as the Batgirl and just other baffling moves that kind of proves that, that they're positioning themselves to be able to be sold in a, in a few years, which would be... I remember growing up, Warner Brothers was the studio. They were yep. the movie that were prestigious films, Oscar-worthy films. And this is not even when I'm growing up. This is dating back to when films were first conceived. Warner Brothers was one of the yep. original studios out there. So the mighty have fallen. Uh, they, they got some people in position. I know Zasloff comes from the TV realm and so used to cutting things, approving things. I think he's brought some of that which is can be helpful for certain content, but not for a film studio. So it's, it's been some some really weird things that they've been doing that's I think is going to affect them for for the years to come. And when money's guiding the the creatives, it, it it's not a good thing for a studio sometimes. Deadline has a, a tweet pulled uh, in one of their articles here, and it's from uh, Daniel Pemberton on Twitter. And he basically talks about how creatives are going to think twice about signing up with the studio now. Uh, but I think sums it up pretty well. WB playing a terrible long game. Uh, and I, I completely agree with that. It's, you know, they're, I, they don't have that vision right now, it seems. And that's very frustrating. Think about this. They screwed up with Christopher Nolan with the whole uh, day in, day out with Tenet. And he went to Universal. And we're looking at Oppenheimer, which by the time it's probably released for Oscars consideration, is going to probably be a billion dollars. So it's Absolutely. just a ripple effect of just like bad decisions that, can you imagine Warner Brothers would be so happy right now if Oppenheimer and Barbie was under their umbrella? That would have been a good payday that maybe a film like Coyote would have been able to put out because they would have made a pretty good, you know, uh, amount of money with some box office receipts. So it's it's a it's a, uh, a domino effect that I think will definitely hurt a lot of their uh, actors and, and writers and directors that are going to be questionable working with them in the future with things that just could be yeah. Thanos snapped.
<laughs> it's wild that the they are responsible for one of the, the for let's just say it, the biggest movie of the year in Barbie, mm-hmm. and yet they turn around and they're doing this. Like it's that yep. just tells you that there are some real issues under the hood at Warner Brothers Discovery. Hundred percent. Oh, hundred percent. I wonder if they were involved in this bidding war for. Uh, the Elon Musk biopic. Uh, so this A24 just won a bidding war for an A20 for a I'm sorry a uh, uh, Darren Aronofsky directed uh, Elon Musk biopic, uh, and this is based on the recent book that was released by Walter Isaacson, who also did Jobs back in the day, um, which was I remember reading that book and it was just wild um, movie. Okay, but the book is just incredible. Um, do, you, do we need this right now? Like the... <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't know that much about his life. I just, you know, I see the headlines. I see the the big moves he makes. Obviously, yeah. Tesla and, and X now and other business ventures. Like, he's obviously a very successful man. It takes, uh, you know, it doesn't, you got to have some some screws tighten in the head if you're going to be able to make, he's the richest, one of the top five richest people in the world. So he, he definitely has something that makes him, you know who he is, but I, I don't. I'm not interested in him as a person. Um, Darren Aronofsky is a very interesting director. So if it comes to be, I mean, it's going to probably be something very, you know, different than your stereotypical biopic that we're used to. So there is that creative like intrigue in me, but I just don't like. I mean, I don't know. I don't say I don't. I don't know Elon Musk, so I can't judge a person <laughs> I never met or really know too much about, but. It's nothing that I'm going to be running out to see, but I'm going to keep my eye on it. You know, see how it progresses. See who, number one, who's going to cast, who's going to surround them with. Are they going to, you know, who's going to play Amber Heard <laughs> in the movie? Uh, Amber so, Heard, yeah. maybe she'll be looking for work she'll at that just, point. Yeah, she'll just, you know, method acting in, in reality. But yeah, we'll see. And this is, again goes back to A24 with the the announcement a couple months ago that they want to focus on more bigger IP stuff. So yeah. I mean. You know, who who else not to start, you know, uh, one of the most popular people in the world uh, with Elon Musk. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I haven't read the book yet, um, mm-hmm. but I know that uh, Isaacson shadowed Musk for, I think, two years or something okay. uh, as part of the research for this. And the only thing that I, I struggle with with biopics a lot is where they're coming from, what angle they're mm-hmm. taking. And are they looking, I, you know, I keep using under the hood in this uh uh, this podcast today, but are they looking under the hood completely? Yeah. Uh, because there is a lot of discourse about how, um, you know, when Elon Musk took over Tesla, he pushed out a lot of the people mm-hmm. um, who had made Tesla work. Um, right. And, you know, right. Tesla was a, a basically the, the, the cars themselves, the company was there. He yeah. just came in and kind of put the money behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, he's a very polarizing individual, as we know, uh, from the Twitter takeover and all of that. So mm-hmm. just very, very interested in what angle this is going to take and how they're going to thread that needle. Cause it's going to be challenging for them. Does he come from, I like, again, I don't know. Does he come from money? Like, is this a legacy <sighs> from, you know, dad open up a publishing company <laughs> 70 years ago and. Sounds like a good, uh, good movie. You should start writing that one. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't remember honestly. Yeah. I I think he's very much self-made in a lot of self-made. ways. Self-made. Okay. Um, but yeah. uh, definitely comes from a privileged background in terms of his sure. upbringing. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, that'll be very interesting. You're, like you said, a twenty-four grabbing it is uh, a, a sign that they are leaning into what they said they wanted to do with the big IP. Yeah. A twenty-four um, doesn't miss much for me. I love all a twenty-four stuff. 
Yeah, they're a company that even when they do have a miss for me, I always appreciate the risk they take in their films. So I, I, I'm a huge them and Neon, like some of my two are my favorite like independent uh, uh, studios out there that always push the envelope. So yeah, yeah you can see like this being very, if they stick to their tone of this like not expecting the unexpected, we might see him uh, being a good guy uh, by the time we see them in the movie. Oh boy, I, I do like who's gonna play Amber Heard. <laughs> I forgot about her involved with him. Oh, man. Well, listen, as you mentioned at the beginning of the pod here, there's a, a lot coming out uh, in the coming weeks, and this week yeah. is busy for screenings. <laughs> Hunger Games, Battle of Songbirds and Snakes hits theaters. Thanksgiving hits theaters. Trolls Band Together hits theaters. Next Goal Wins theaters. Saltburn Limited theaters. Did you see that yet? Yeah, last month. Yeah, I love Saltburn. <laughs> really? I liked it. I, I liked it the more I thought about it, but it was very, I think it's going to be a very divisive film. It totally is. Um, I, I, I will tell you that the song from the last uh, five minutes has been on my playlist. Mm -hmm. Murder on the Dance Floor. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, May, December hits limited theaters and Dashing Through the Snow hits Disney+. Plus. Uh, Elliot, where can people find you? So I am available uh, pretty much all everywhere where film discourse happens, you know, Twitter slash X, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Letterboxd, of course, YouTube, uh, talking about a lot of these films that you just mentioned on your rundown here, as well as throwing in some TV shows uh, every week, you know, doing some Invincible recaps. Uh, we got Monarch to look forward to for all those yeah. Kaiju Godzilla fans out there. Um, so, yeah, you can find me on those uh, different various sites, having a good time, keeping up with all the stuff there. Uh, but before wrapping up, Joe's good. You know, I'm so glad I was able to join you today, have a good conversation. Hopefully we can do this again in the future. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, you guys, you guys can check me out anywhere. Absolutely. And for the 99% of the people that are listening who are likely familiar with you, that's not who I'm speaking to here. But if you're not familiar with your with movie files, if you're the 1% there, Elliot, I don't think you sleep because the, the <laughs> amount of content you put out and the quality content is just, uh, you know, it's never wavered. It's always been great since when we first met years ago. Um, so I'm glad that you were able to pop on today. I'm glad that we were able to talk through some of the the more divisive stuff with the Marvels and some of the, the yeah. crazy industry things that are happening. Um, it's a weird time, but uh, hopefully things get back on track now and uh, we can do this again with maybe Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be a film that I think hopefully can get people on the same page with just, you know, having fun with Marvel, appreciating it and then talking about the greater stuff with the multiverse and all that. So it's, that's going to be a good one. Absolutely. Hopefully. Absolutely. All right, Elliot, I appreciate it. And to everyone else, uh, catch you next week.